For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, like every week, Shane Told. So nice to have you for a long overdue mini-series with one of the greatest punk ska bands of all time. Less Than Jake is here. We're doing it twice Five years I've been doing this podcast. How did I not speak to either Chris or Roger? I tried to speak with Chris like three years ago. We talk a little bit about that next week. But today we have Roger Lima, the bass player and lead vocalist. I mean, maybe sings less than Chris, but they both sing a lot in this band. And this is great. I mean, what a conversationalist this guy is we had some amazing talks about you name it um the guns and roses chat i think is my favorite part but either way man thank you so much to chris and roger and their publicist becky for setting this up this is sick i can't wait for you to hear this one and of course make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss chris next week He's a podcaster, so you know he's good at this stuff. Check out his podcast, too. Chris DeMakes, a podcast. He's got some big guests. Like, I think he's got Mark Hoppus on this week. So, yeah, check out his podcast as well. Before we get into that, I want to remind you, you can get in touch with me very easily. You can email me. It's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read all of my email. You can add me to social media. It's at Shane Told on pretty much everything, including Twitch. That's something I'm going to be doing now. 
Yeah, I'm just getting into it, but it's very exciting. I think it's a great platform, especially when you're talking about podcasts. Hopefully, I'll be doing some stuff live on there. So, yes, I don't know. Search for me. It's Shane Told on Twitch. There'll be more, you know, forthcoming news about all that stuff, but I'm really excited to get started. And if you want to help out the show, you can do that by checking out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club, which is a Patreon feature. Um, It's really good. You know, there's so much great content on there available if you've listened to this thing for five years and you want more. Some conversations with non-lead singers, uh, you know, some other stuff that we just dive a little bit deeper into. And I think the biggest thing is just the amazing community of my sinners from all over the world. We're like 400 strong. We talk about everything on there every single day. And you can get Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise if you're a member. And the list goes on and on and on. And it helps me out big time. It keeps this thing free every week. Thanks to all the members of the All Access Club. The link for that, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. And news with me, not just the Twitch news, but... Yes, add me to Twitch. Find me on Twitch. Add me to Twitch. Silverstein, my band, we just announced last week a really cool record, Redux 2. We're doing re-recordings and reimaginations of some of our deep cuts, some different songs, some of the fan favorites, and that's available for pre-order now. We've got some really cool vinyl bundles and everything over at Silverstein Store. Dot com. If you're in the U.S., there's also a Canadian store and an Australian store uh, and a European store as well, actually. So, yeah, Google those if you live in those regions, but check out the record. I should also add that's coming out on our own label, completely independent. So if you want to throw me and the boys in Silverstein a bone, that's a really great way to do it because, you know, we can't play any shows right now. Uh, luckily we had time to do the record, but it is a very difficult time if you're a musician because our main source of income is like dead last (laughs) in terms of coming back. I mean, I can't think of a worse profession to be in, in 2020 than being a musician, especially on the touring side. So, Hey, it is what it is. We're getting by. We're doing podcasts. I'm having a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to this. And if you're an All Access Club member, you are, you're my hero for like straight up. That sounds cheesy, doesn't it? But you really are making a big difference in my life. Well, I guess it's time. This is a really good one. And next week with Chris is awesome as well. So make sure you're subscribed. Here is my conversation with Less Than Jake, starting with bass player vocalist Roger Lima. Hello, Roger. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? How are you? Uh, I'm really well. It's it's really good to talk to you. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for hooking this up. This uh, is cool. Yeah, I, I was I was checking out the site and got some, a lot of good stuff on there. It's nice to be in good company. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you're more than welcome. I don't know about the site. I don't know if the site's any good. I haven't like looked at that thing in fucking years. But 
Um, <laughs> no, I've been working hard on this podcast, and and you know, it's it's. I think like three years ago, I was supposed to have Chris on, and something happened, and now I'm having both of you guys on. So this is awesome. You know, excellent. Um, We're right on. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, it's cool. You know, I, I kind of just want to jump in right away and talk about the fact that you're a bass player and this is a podcast about singing, you know, and <laughs> it's really nice to see how you've taken on more of a singing role as the band's gone on and you just released a brand new single the other day, Lie to Me from Upcoming Record, and that's you. That's you singing on the first single, and I don't know if that would have happened, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, it's it's a weird thing. I mean, being the bass player, quote-unquote, is also a weird thing just in its own. I mean, I right. was never playing bass growing up. It just, like, when I met Chris, uh, you know, back in the day, they just, like, wanted a bass player, and so I just started playing bass. I'm, right. I, like, play bass in Less Than Jake, but I feel like more of a guitar player or something. It's weird, you know? Right, like, just, right. It's a crazy right. thing. So so I think that does lend itself to, you know, kind of the way that I can play and sing and, and you know, kind of be the lead singer, even though I'm the bass player. You know, it's weird because I kind of think like a guitar player. That's weird. It's hard no. to explain. No, absolutely. That's that's on my list of questions is like literally you join the band, never played bass before. And here we are all these years later, and, you know, and you're playing bass and singing. Right. It's like way to take you right out of your comfort zone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm comfortable with it. It's a weird thing. Right, it just kind of right. happened that way as the band started going, you know, like, like Automatic was one of the first songs that, you know, I sang the choruses on and it was like a single and all that. And then like, right. I sang All My Best Friends Are Metalheads and that was like a pretty popular song for the band. And Absolutely. Then I, I sing the Science of Selling Yourself Short, which was like one yep. of the biggest singles, you know, yep. and then exactly. And then Chris. Chris sings, you know, a lot of the like rest of my life and she's going to break soon. He's saying plenty of stuff, too. That's gotten a lot of exposure. But it's kind of like when you look at like someone recently did like a, a crazy like a battle of the less than Jake song things on like a <laughs> on like a fan page. And it's like kind of crazy to be like a lot of the songs that have kind of carried us through a lot of years that get a lot of mileage are happen to be songs that I sing for whatever reason. So it's kind of weird. It's just, you know, honestly, I never really. I would love to be like the rhythm guitar player in a band. I always like looked up to Izzy from Guns N' Roses, right? He's, <laughs> totally. He's just chilling back there. He's not really moving around. He just has his shades on. You know, he's like a little intoxicated. He's just having a good time. <laughs> he's playing riffs. He's like, you know, no flair. Like, I, you know, he's whatever. I always thought that was cool, but but it just kind of became a thing where it was like, dude, you should sing this. Okay, I'll sing this. Okay, you should sing this. Okay, all right. And it just has kind of grown and, you know, and and uh, I'm I'm – I feel super lucky that I get to sing. Singing is awesome. It's awesome to sing at somebody and like make that connection. The energy is like, it's hard to describe, you know? Yeah. I was always a, a kind of a Duff guy, personally. I always thought Duff was like the coolest, you know? He looked like, he was kind of like punk rock. He had like the Sex Pistols thing going on and he sang some songs he was, too. He, he was awesome and I agree with that, but he was a bass player. And when I was like, you right. know, 15, 16, 17, like in that time when I was a guitar player, my sister was the bass player. I didn't play bass, you know? <laughs> it's hilarious. It is, it is. Yeah, I think Izzy was the magic of the band, to be honest, right? Like, once he was gone, it was never the same. I think you wrote yeah, a lot of those songs. Uh, absolutely. He was definitely some of the glue in there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I got... Damn, we've already covered it. Like, we're like four, oh, sorry, minutes, sorry, four sorry. minutes in. I don't. I think you've covered all my questions. No. Well, I um, made sure to have a lot of coffee for our convo because, nice. you know, it's been like... 
it's been like this like whole like isolation thing and like, you know, yeah. not really getting out a lot, not like chatting to people after shows and like, right. I'm missing, I'm missing a lot of that people to people connection, you know? So no, it's, it's a crazy time. It is. It, fuck. It is a crazy time. No, I, a uh, <laughs> couple things about that. I, when I got the schedule to talk to you and Chris, I, I noticed that you guys wanted to talk to me at 10 in the morning. And I was like, damn, we are getting old if we're getting up at 10. Jeez, man. Uh, but Oh, man, there's there's not enough hours in the day, dude. I get up real early. I do good. a lot of stuff. I have a very active nine-year-old. So, yeah, right. you know, it takes a lot of energy. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question, too, is, you know, you, Les and Jake, the ultimate road dog band. You know, I mean, you talk, like, obviously everybody knows you have the record for most Warped Tour dates and appearances, but even beyond that, you guys have never really stopped, you know, stopped to make records and that's about it. So how has this been? I mean, this has got to be the longest you've really ever been in one place. You know, I know you, ha- you say you have a nine-year-old. How's that all just been? Is it, has it been like kind of a change for you and, you know, relatively late in your career? I mean, change is like a crazy understatement, man. I mean, this has been like... Yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain. I I didn't really, um, fully grasp how addicted I am to that, like live show energy. I I haven't not been to a show, you know, you know, until it's COVID thing went down. I had not been to a show, you know, since I was like 16, you know, in every week or something like, it's just like a major thing. And, and just missing the the crowd energy. I, I can't explain it. I was like, so like total like rug pulled out from under. I mean, it has been, there has been some upsides, you know, it's been kind of cool to be home and kind of absorb things in a different way. And, and, uh, you know, working on the house and these kinds of domestic things that I, I let a lot of those things slip, like living on the road. For but, sure. um, ulti- ultimately I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of waiting for my life to come back, to be honest. Like I, I really, I really miss everything about it. Like, I mean, that's, that's what I do. I mean, I love writing songs. I love being in the studio. I love being involved with music. But honestly, like when someone asks me, like, what's the best thing about being in the band? It's it's being a performer. It's performing a show live and, and doing that with the guys on the stage and having the crowd there and that interaction, whether it's 200 or 2000 or 20,000, like just I, I like performing, man. That's what I'm into. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what you're known for. I mean, hundred percent. You know, you bring up, you love being in the studio and you've become a major studio guy over the past, you know, five, 10 years. Um, obviously producing the last less than Jake record and the new one. That's a big responsibility. I mean, it's not something that, you know, you've got this legacy of a lot of really great records and, you know, I think was it Howard Benson, you know, produced, you know, some of your legendary records, like that's, that guy's no slouch. So how is it now taking on that role and also having to take on all the other roles that you already have in the band? Um, it, it, honestly, it feels extremely natural. Um, you know, back when we were starting out and we did losing streak and Rocky and that, I was like a sponge at that time. I was right. like the guy absorbing as much as I could about the engineering and like the ideas. And when we did hello Rocky with Howard Benson, I mean, I like, I like really did like study that dude and be like, wow, like the stuff that he's coming up with. And that was one of the first records uh, that he had ever done on Pro Tools. And I was, you know, I I had a Pro Tools system way early on too. So a lot of that, like exploring the technology and kind of the the process of working with the technology and what you can accomplish. Like I just kind of always latched onto that. 
And then as the, as the band started kind of like getting into more records, you know, it, it was like, I was like kind of doing the demos and we were kind of like pre-producing ourselves. And then it got to a point where, you know, when we were going to do GNVFLA, like the record, the parts on the record, the production on the record is exactly the same as what the demos were. Like the demos were kind of growing up. Yeah. And when we went to make the record, we just kind of re-recorded the demos in a way. And then it just kind of, you know, I just started buying more gear and um, we did a, those greetings and salutations um, things that came out on Fat. Yeah. Yep. And that that was kind of like the first things that I just like did myself with the band and uh, the TV EP is another thing that, you know, I did myself. And then the trust kind of started coming in and the sounds started kind of coming in. And, you know, I always pass off my stuff to someone to do the mixing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, the, I mean, I, I love the producing and the editing and the recording and the getting the performance and all that. But when it comes to like mixing, I love passing it off to someone that I trust with some fresh ears. And they could just be like, oh, okay, like they understand what I'm presenting to them in the tracks and they can like bring it all together, you know? It's Absolutely, a it's yeah. really great to work with amazing mixers, man. So I'm really lucky to do that. Yeah. I find mixing is always the scariest part, you know? Like when you have to make a concrete like I can make a concrete decision about, okay, I like this lyric, I like this performance, you know? It sounds good, but if I have to decide on okay is this snare drum sound good like i could work on it literally forever until i know and then still Dude, not be sure that's exactly what happens to me i just kind of like get so sucked in and i get so like overthinking about it and second guessing and stuff that it's like way better to give it to someone else and let them yeah. kind of be like how's this you know and then you have like a fresher perspective but really, no, it hasn't. It's not very, quote unquote, overwhelming, um, you know, to like have that role. It's just kind of like a. I just kind of work with all the guys separately and together in a way. Like when it's drum time, you know, Matt and I are talking about the drum fills and, and we're yep. getting into the nitty gritty of what it's going to be. Is it a single kick? Or is it a double kick? Is it this symbol? Is it that symbol? You know, we get into that. And then when it comes time to do guitars, you know, on the songs that Chris is playing on, it's like, dude, what's the strumming pattern there? How are you going to play it on the bass? How's it going to match together? And we're just talking about all the specifics and the horn parts, you know, it's like, here's the horn part ideas. Okay, well, this matches, this clashes with the vocal. This note is kind of funky on this harmony. Like we, we, right. we dig on, I like dig into every little detail with everyone. And that's kind of like what being a producer is to me. It's like the attention to detail and just making sure that what's going on the tape quote unquote, mm -hmm. is like the right thing that feels right, that it's going to be something that you want to listen to over and over and over again. And uh, that's kind of that's kind of my philosophy on a lot of the records that I made, like the Suicide Machines record yeah. that came out this year. Like that was just so much like very specific, like this is the vocal take, like this is the one that that's the magic. I can just hear that that's part. That's what the record sounds like. And it's, doing that on my own band is is almost easier, man, because I kind of know. I'm like, dude, yeah. I've heard Chris sing for 25 years. I know <laughs> when he's a little off. I know when his enunciation is a little shitty. And I know when he fucking nails it, you know? It's like, there it's great. Go. So yeah. I just feel like, uh, yeah, I feel I feel confident that like a less, the Less Than Jake records that are coming out, especially the new record and moving forward, like these things are going to sound what I think like a lesson Jake record is supposed to sound like. And, and fortunately the guys in my band all agree. No. Yeah, dude. I, and that suicide machines record, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I mean, that's another example of you're being trusted to present this band that hasn't put out a record in like, I don't know, probably close to 20 years. Yeah. And it was hey, like Roger, 17 like, years. Yeah. That, that is, <laughs> that's a lot of, for some people, that could be a lot of pressure. I'm not saying it's a lot of pressure, but they're they're a band 
fuck. Like, I live just outside Detroit. I, I know what this band means to people, you know, and has for a long time. Man, like, that is, that must have been a really, really cool experience. Oh, it was so awesome. When, when I got the call, when Jay called me, I was like, dude, I think you're the man for this job. I was super floored and I was, I just like felt the love and I just like, you know, it's, it was just awesome. And you know, you heard the record, right? Yeah. I mean, the songs are just great. And there was like twice as many songs to choose from. Oh really? So it was it's, like, it's a pretty oh, long yeah. record as it is. It's like, it's they wrote like a, a 15, ton- 16 song record. It is. They, they wrote a ton of songs, which is great. So there was a great selection uh, to pick from. And, and it was like done in this really like, uh, democratic way everyone voted everyone had equal votes on the songs that made the record oh wow that that kind of stuff it was great and but but um it was just like i just knew that like i was like so relieved that i knew that since i was doing the record that it would sound like the way it's supposed to sound like i just knew that someone wasn't gonna fuck it up like i knew i would get it right you know what i mean like like i love the suicide machines yeah. man but they they have all these different eras of their band they have like the heavier stuff they have the more ska stuff they have the more pop produced stuff from that hollywood era and like the record had to kind of like hold all of those different hats and wear them all like you know equally and i had to like feel feel like one thing and I don't know. I love the record and I love those guys. And I was really lucky to, that I got to do that. I mean, oh. I think they could have done that record with anyone and it would have came out good. But when I put it on, it just feels right. It feels honest and it still feels fresh and it definitely feels and sounds like the Suicide Machines. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say the thing about the equal voting in a band. And a lot of people listening to this are probably like, well, yeah, that makes sense, right? Like, but we know, we know, like, there's some funky electoral college shit going on in most bands, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's songs that sometimes a song will come up and it's just like, no matter what, that song is going to be on there. Uh, right, it, yeah. it, there's no denying it. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't name names, but there's definitely one song on the Suicide Machines record that I voted a one on a scale of one to 10, but it still made the record because everyone else wanted it. You know what I'm saying? Of course. So it's, all, it's all good. But it's that's, all good. <laughs> but that's actually my question is, you know, if you get signed on as producer, you know, it's, it's kind of a difficult role when you're still uh, having a democracy because most of the time you hire a producer to kind of make those tough calls. And when you're, you, when you when that job and I'm not trying to get all serious like like I can say this kind of shit because the record's awesome and you did a great job and, and all that right I would if the record well, was, if the record was shitty I wouldn't say this right but it's true that you're hired for a job and if you can't fully do that job you know there that's a little bit of a scary scary place because you know Roger Lima that's that's your name that's your career I mean <laughs> who knows maybe we're never going on tour again and you're going to be producing records for the rest of your life. I don't I hope not. But you know that's that's still like that's your namesake on the back of that record, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I you know, I've known the guys for a lot of years and I have a great relationship with them. And mm-hmm. you know, I know that they have the skills and and it was, you know, like they can pull it. I mean, those guys are amazing players. So I didn't have any fears at all. I was just like, you know, once we get there, I'll be able to 
to kind of be the captain on the ship in a way and kind of like balance out the votes and just make sure that the, that the, you know, that the shit sinks and the good shit floats to the top, you know, that's, that's all you got to do, man. There you go. You just squeeze, you just go in there and you squeeze, you listen to every little section and you're like, is this as good as it could be? Is there anything rubbing? And that's what I do. I just, it's like attention to detail and just that like micro examination of how music fits together. And there you go. I could talk about it for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, had- I do love it, man. I, I do really love it. I mean, those guys, that was an amazing record, but it was also very, very fast. It was, we recorded it in two weeks. It was a power oh, session. Yeah. And then, uh, but like the Mass Intruder record was more like a whole month. And like, Eve, I would say way more attention to detail and way more layers and like a lot more like, just like in the studio creativity and kind of spur of the moment stuff and like that kind of magic kind of thing, you know, like. That, that records. So I just love it all. You know, I like the quick and dirty stuff and I like the like really in-depth, like deeply produced kind of stuff. And, um, I just, I just look forward to doing more of it. You know, I kind of fishing around. I'm like, I love doing some smaller local bands and doing my band rehasher, which is yeah. almost done with a cover cover record here is almost done. And you know, like, like smaller stuff is cool, but like having something like a mass intruder or a suicide machine or something that gets some attention like that. It's just so awesome, you know, to like have people hear it and be like, Oh yeah, this, this sounds great. Absolutely. You know, I didn't know that you worked. Was it the new mass intruder record? Um, I've done the last two releases. I had no idea. I can't believe I didn't know that. That's crazy. The mass intruder three, the one that uh, came out. Yeah, that record is uh, great. Uh, those guys were amazing. I love that band. And I did the EP before that as well, which ah, uh, was right. pretty fun. Pretty fun. Yeah, right. No, they're, they're one of my favorite bands. Like, uh, I think I was in, like, fucking Spain or something where, you know, we, we didn't have, like, we did a fly-in show and they had this, like, guy driving us around. And all he did, like, this is, like, right when the Mask Intruder uh, MI record came out. and. Right. I was like, this record is amazing. This is like the best pop <laughs> pop punk record ever, and it's got this like overarching co- uh, um, um, concept of a band. I was like, fuck, and they became one of my favorite bands. And I did not know you worked on the new record, which is also awesome. Uh, thank you, man. Yeah, they're they're great. I love those guys. Real creative, and uh, again, it's like I really get along really well with Blue and the studio situation, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really happy to have those experiences. Great guys. Do you call him Blue? Like, is there a weird non-disclosure agreement you have to sign? Because I still don't know who the fuck those guys are. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I think that that's, you know, it's a, people don't really need to know their real names. I think right. that just takes away from it. No, but totally. yeah, I'll tell you really tell you a real funny mass intruder story though we were recording this one thing and um there was like this one backup vocal and green was like singing this backup vocal right but he didn't have his mask on and he was kind of singing it and it was kind of coming out kind of thin and it just didn't really like it didn't really feel like what it was supposed to feel like and i was like i don't know man i'm not really feeling it maybe maybe we should access part and he goes i'll be right back and he he went outside he went outside and he went to their van and he came back in with the mask on and he was like, let's fucking do this. And it was instantly, <laughs> it was instantly like the right feel, the right vocal vibe for the part. Everyone was like, yes, that's what it needed. It needed the fucking mask. It was so great. That's so, f- at first I thought maybe you were kidding, like telling me a bullshit story. <laughs> no, but, no, but it's that's, real. But that's so, but you know what? I, I, I don't, I don't doubt that, that story at all because if you know it, like when you get on oh, stage, yeah. And you're in that attire and you're, you know what I mean? You're in your element. Stuff just comes out of you, right? That you don't even, you didn't even know was possible. Absolutely. Totally those sense. guys, 
those guys definitely have like a theater aspect and they definitely play up the parts when they have the masks on. But it's like, you know, it's a, back to the studio thing. And you know this, man, sometimes you just, it just comes that you just hear it on the tape. You hear the vibe, you hear the energy that was in the room and the excitement and stuff. Somehow that, that can kind of get captured if the spirit is, is, is right. And everyone's in a good mood in the studio environment and the producer is doing a good job of keeping everybody like positive and move. You can hear that on the tape, man. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, anyway. Big big change in the band. Obviously, Vinny, uh, you guys departed parted ways, and you have a new drummer, Matt. The biggest aspect for me as a fan was there was always this sort of um, talk of Vinny being the, the lyricist, the guy writing the writing the songs, the guy behind you know the words of the band, which to a lot of people, myself included, are important. Now... Obviously, I I understand how songs typically work, and Chris kind of got into it a little bit. Like, you know, you guys are writing the melodies. You guys are kind of taking scraps and lyrics here and there and putting them all together. But what was it like, you know, starting, uh, you know, a new chapter of the band where you kind of have a blank slate? Like, you know, you can write a song about anything now. Was that a good feeling? Was that tough? How is that for for you? Because I know you did a lot of the lyric uh, lyric writing. As far as like subject matter, you kind of mean. Well, yeah, I, like, I kind of mean it. Mean well, the whole thing, you know. Like there's there's a, when somebody g- gives you something, and it's the same with producing, right? There's a lot of great producers that wouldn't know where to start when they write a song, you know. And when you when you micro manage it's not the right word but when you take it from a, a real mi- microbial p- perspective just on the lyric side and i know it as a songwriter too there's times when i'm like okay you stare at that blank m- microsoft word document on your computer and you go well i don't know what the fuck do i write about you know <laughs> that can be a challenge for some people to even get started you know let alone you know do the whole thing from, you know from start to finish i don't know i've just that is that a challenge for you it, it's definitely a challenge, man. I mean, I, you know, being a songwriter and writing music for a lot of years, I've definitely, I definitely got used to sort of leaning on Vinny and knowing that there would be some awesome lyrics to bring to the table. Yeah. And I, I didn't really, I didn't really put as much um, of my concentration and efforts in working on lyrics. I mean, I have my other band, but a lot of those songs are few and far between. It's kind of easier to write a few songs every couple of years. Right. <laughs> sure. But, um, but uh, I just, you know, <sighs> knowing that this was, this was how things were going to roll, I just sort of started opening up to some different things. I started letting myself notice different things. And I, and, uh, I kind of like looked for inspirations that I otherwise wasn't looking for and kind of like let, let phrases or concepts or ideas for songs come to me, you know, and just kind of like be open to like notice them if that makes any sense. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and it, and, you know, it did the, we recorded this record silver linings. We recorded last November, 2019. Yeah. And I, I started writing for that record in January of 2019. So, and, uh, you know, and I kind of got going pretty quick there, but I did have a good amount of time to like sit on things and filter things and re revise things. And, you know, again, attention to detail and going over things and making sure that like each song, like the words that are used in that song fit the vibes and the elements of that specific song and kind of trying to like uh, give each song its own little isolated bubble. That's like its own little world. You know, like sometimes 
you get into some records that I really like, but the lyrics are kind of all over the place. Like there's the same words across a bunch of songs and a lot of songs are about sort of the same maybe theme or something. Right. And I, and for me, it's kind of like lyrically, it's kind of trying to uh, make each one kind of have all the details that make it specific and original to itself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No. But uh, it's a, it's definitely a challenge, man. I mean, and I feel like, you know, but it's like, it's also, I also had like some confidence built up because like automatic, for example, like that was a big lesson Jake song. Yep. And the song goes, I think, I think I know it all. And then there's some more words. Right. And then it says, I think, I think I know it all. And then there's some more words. Right. Well, <laughs> even guess. though that, that wasn't, well, there is, right. but what I'm saying is in 1997, you know, I think, I think I know it all. Those were my words. And then Vinny filled in those other words and wrote the and wrote the bridge and wrote the chorus and built up from that. But I was kind of like, you know, because that worked and that stuck and, and little other phrases like that throughout the history of the band that stuck and worked. You know, I kind of was like, no, you know, we can do this. You know, we're we're like smart dudes. Everyone has been writing songs on their own for years. And uh, I felt, you know, the confidence between Chris and Jr., who also you know contributed a lot of lyrics on this record. And, and, and buddy and Matt to bounce things off of, like, I felt pretty yeah. confident that, you know, we would, we would come out of the other side, you know, with like feeling strong and feeling confident about singing these words and putting these, these words on a record. And I still definitely feel that way. There you go. I love that. I love that response. Damn. That was honest and, and insightful. But dude, it's, and, I'm not, and it I'm, was really I'm not good. Gonna, like you're, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to say it's easy shoes to fill. And I think yeah. some people out there will be like, Oh well, this feels different, and it is different. Well, yeah, it's going to be a little different, but I, I did like, you know, be conscious about like, okay, I'm a fan of Lesson Jake. I love the lyrics. I love how it connects to me and stuff. And I tried to be like, is this providing me with that same connection? Does it feel that way? Like Lesson Jake has to do that, right? The lyrics have to feel a certain way that that connect you to the words and connect you to the meaning and the purpose and the story and stuff. And I'm, I'm serious, man. Like, you know, this was effort. I was like, yeah, this is, this feels right to me. This feels like a Lesson Jake record I, lyrically, I, spirit, like the connection part. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard the record and I completely agree oh, cool. with you. And, you know, it's, you, you bring up Automatic uh, and, you know, from Losing Streak and, you know, a song like Bill, uh, which is about Bill Stevenson, that is, those lyrics are so losing streak, you know, like all the different name songs, like, you know, Jen or Johnny Quest or, you know, all like this. I was like, this fits in just like it could have in 1996 or 1997, whenever that album came out, you know, yeah, man, uh, it, totally. really did, like, it really did. It really did. It's like the Jay Frenzel kind of song where we had a song about Jay from Frenzel Rom. And right. like, it's like we had, you know, like a, that song, Mark Cruz about our friend, Mark Cruz and, you know, all <laughs> the, those kinds of songs where, where that, it kind of takes up that role in the band of that song. No one else has heard it. So I don't want to give it away, but yeah, oh, that's yeah. a fun one. I guess I, yeah, I guess I'm <laughs> spilling the beans a little bit, but that's kind of yeah. the point when they send me the record. Uh, that's great. The, the, that's uh, great. Um, talking about the old days a little bit. I, I, uh, I talked about this a little bit with Chris, but, I saw you guys, I heard of you guys for the very first time. It was Warp Tour in 1997 in London, Ontario. You guys were playing on the back of a flatbed truck. And I was there, I, I went there with um, my friend. He's my best friend in the world. His name's Brian. He plays bass now for that band of Wilhelm Scream. Oh, right on. I know, so, Brian. Yeah, he's he's a banging bass player. But I got to say, mm -hmm. man, that, that day... 
that day changed our lives entirely. You know, our first warp tour and and like I remember seeing like the guys from Lagwagon walking around and like it was just there was so much insane shit for like 16-year-old kid to see. But I'd never heard of your band before. Bry bought your CD, Losing Streak. We listened to it on the car ride home and it, it that album, I think literally, I'll speak for him a little bit, changed his life, you know, like the bass playing and automatic and, and the whole record and all that. He, he became an amazing bass player. But, you know, going back to those days and remembering it, did you kind of know at all that you were going to have this impact on people? Um, I, I really didn't. No, I don't think I knew that, man. I'm, I'm kind of like a live in the moment kind of person. And mm-hmm. I was just... You know, I was enthralled with like the scene and and like what was going on with sort of ska punk and like, you know, like that sort of movement at that time in a weird way musically. Like that, this stuff was popping off, and I was just kind of like living it. I, I um, I definitely you know put in all I could at the shows and like you know yeah. played as aggressive as I could and put in all my energy and and that kind of thing. But, but I didn't, I didn't really think about the longevity of things at that time. You talk about that time and living in the moment and not really understanding that there were people like me and Brian, the crowd that were going to be forming bands based on you guys and, and everything later. And you definitely didn't think that, Hey man, in like 20, whatever years you're going to be doing a podcast with this guy talking about this shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> nobody's, nobody saw all that coming but, you know, for you guys at that time, it was a little bit different because that record was out on Capitol. You know, it was a major label. It wasn't like Johnny's Backyard shitty fucking punk records put it out. There was there must have been a little <laughs> bit more there. You know, I've heard you talk before about Capitol Records and how your mom wasn't so mad at you anymore because you had some money in your bank account. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there was a little bit of a different thing going on there. Because it's, it's very cliche and probably honest for most bands to say, oh, we fucking started, we didn't know it was going to happen, and we just like rode around in the van, and then like one day we, we were really big. But like you guys, it was a very strange and very different career path. Yeah, I wouldn't say you know, like we were shocked or whatever. I think, you know, we were scheming that we were, you know, looking to get signed, and we, we wanted to be on a national level. We wanted to be able to play shows in California. We wanted to, you know, open for rancid and, and, and these bands that we looked up to at the time. Yeah. So we had our own ambitions of like, you know, how we wanted to make a name for ourselves and get out there. And we, and we just put in a lot of the work. So it was pretty gradual, you know, sort of from our perspective, but not really, man, we were doing one tour, you know, playing backyards. And then pretty soon, just a two, three years later, then we were on tour with the descendants. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I was kind of just like, wow, like it's, it's happening fast. And, you know, we're in the moment and we're just, I just felt lucky and we were just living. I was just partying, you know, we were having a great time. So, um, we definitely, uh, put in the work, I think. And we definitely wanted to get out there and play to a lot of people and get our music played and like spread our energy and all that. But yeah, I definitely never, never thought, you know, 20 years later, like exactly where things would be sitting because you never know. I mean, we always talked about like, man, you know, like bad religion still together, you know, no effects is still <laughs> together. And it'd be like, well, we can't break up until bad religion or no effects breaks up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the, the idea of being like Pennywise, like a career band, you know, that that was always really appealing. But I, but it wasn't like, 
it didn't ever get down to like the details of what thing was, things would be like a decade later. No, of course not. And that's, that's really funny yeah. that you bring that up because, you know, with, with my band, we, I've been quoted a few times as saying, I just want to be the bad religion of emo. You know, that's, and, and <laughs> we're on, we're on album nine. I think we got a long way to go to catch up with bad religion, but you know, you bring up th- that and at the time, like when I think of hardcore, you know, cause that was more you know, more what we were trying to do. Like the only band that I would have considered that at that time, like lifers was like sick of it all. And at the time we started, they'd, they'd only been a band for like 15 years. And if we go back to like 97, no effects had been a band for like maybe 10 years, you know? So, so like now we're talking about less than Jake being a band for almost 30 years. Um, and I hope you have something big planned for the 30th anniversary. I'm sure you do. But uh, it's that, still a ways away. Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> it, it, not really. <laughs> who, know, who knows? They're already talking about booking shows for fucking late 2022 or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's all doom and gloom, man. But I don't know. But anyway, back to, back to my question, though. Like, you know, just that overarching idea of of like, hey, career punk bands. That was something that was there was a few of them. But now looking back and you guys are one of them. It's kind of mind blowing. It 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 is, man. But like, dude, it was there. Like, you know, I saw Green Day play when they were still touring in the Bookmobile. They played like at this record store in Gainesville for like forty people, and awesome. then they played out of they played a venue that night, and there was like maybe three hundred people there, and four hundred maybe. And it was just like I was smelling it. it. You could smell it in the water, man. It was like, dude, this is gonna go. Like yeah. this 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 scene is. You know, a band like The Offspring is going to yeah. show up and like pull in a mainstream thing along with this whole, you know what I mean? Like you could smell that, that, that punk rock and th- that whole thing was moving at that time. Yeah. And then, you know, we had, we were into the Scott Punk thing and uh, like the Boston's was a big band back, you know, for the bit for us back then. Yeah. And Op Ivy and stuff and that energy and the fun factor of what a ska show like had to offer, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that I'm like the biggest ska fan, but the, the energy is just unbeatable. You know, when you go, when you're at a show like that and 100%, everyone's going off hundred percent. So like, we just kind of like, yeah, man, we just kind of latched on to that. And, and, uh, that was just, uh, uh, it was hard to not get into that scene at the time, you know, living in Gainesville and no, being, no. The, being the kind of guys that we were. I love it. I love it. You bring up Green Day and the Offspring. I have them on my little list of questions, too, because of the time frame, you know, you guys starting out and getting signed. And that was like that was when everyone was looking for the next Green Day. And not to say that they thought you were going to be or whatever, but it was undeniable, you know, what was happening. And for me at the time, I was like 13, I guess, when Dookie came out and without and, and then Smash, you know, came out like the same year. Those records were life changing for me. Before that, it was all Guns N' Roses and Metallica, and that you know switched me over. And I, that's when I learned about all the all the punk rock bands. And yeah, it's, I'm glad you brought those bands up. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know. And then and then sort of the after that phase, it was like you know we did a tour with Blink, and it was you know we were like co-headlining with Blink. I think it was like '97. Yeah, and you could. You could kind of on that tour. You could kind of smell it. You were like, "Man, people are showing up for this band. They have like a, a buzz going, and you could just kind of sniff it out that it was going to take off." And it was it's crazy. Yeah. You can just and we were we were there. You know, we were in the same. We were playing the same rooms. We were in the same 
arena. And uh, it's just crazy to think about and go back and then, you know, how bastard that band got. And then, you know, dude, I mean, we did a, a pretty good sized tour with Fall Out Boy way back in the day, right when, uh, right yeah. when Take This to Your Grave came out, you know, and like they're opening for us and like, I fucking love that band. I was like, dude, these guys are incredible. Like they played so well. They had so much energy. The songs were so good. Patrick was such a fucking good singer. And it was like four months later, they were fucking huge. Yeah. I, I, I know. mean, it, I know it was insane. Like that was like, but you could, again, like you could just smell it in the water that there was like, it was just like, <laughs> it was going to happen, man. The sharks were coming. Like there was no denying that these bands, you know, had something that some kind of catalyst, some kind of song, something. It was just great. No. So it's cool. It's actually awesome for me, like to, to like kind of sideline those things in a way because you know we never we never really had that like large scale like oh we got huge all of a sudden from this one song and then it tapered away and now we're like trying to recapture that. We just kind of been on a steady yep. up climb for a lot of years. Yep. It feels like and and as far as our shows and our fan base and it kind of in a weird way like it the the theory of that that career band thing for me it's like the influence for my whole life has always been Iron Maiden, man. It's always been yeah. that. It's like, yeah. it's like, fuck the label that it's on. Like that, none of that matters. It's about the show and the connection with the fans and like the integrity of the music and the, the imagery and all that stuff, you know? And like, that's, that, I mean, Iron Maiden is my favorite band. That's my biggest influence in my lifetime as far as music goes. There's just no denying it, man. So it's like, it's for me, it's like to be like a little mini Iron Maiden for me. And like, I'm, I'm like, I just want to carve out our little lesson Jake world where we get to like go off and do awesome stuff and play our music and, and connect with our fans and high five. That's all I want. You know, it's, I love it. I love that you brought all that up, man. Dude, you're a, <laughs> you're a well-spoken guy. And, and you like, I love talking to you. It's happened. Like we've been, we on the phone for almost 40 minutes. And it's like, every time I'm thinking of something in my head, you say it. And I'm, I've done like 200 and something of these podcasts and it's never happened this much where I'm like, I like want to get a word in edgewise and I'm like, I don't want to cut him off, but I, he, oh, he's just going to, he's just going to say what I'm going to say anyway. So I like, it's That's like, funny. I don't even have a follow up. I don't even have a follow up question or, or statement because well, you nailed it. But, but I do, I do have a follow up for, for that, which is you guys never had the hit song curse, you know? And that's a real fucking thing. You on a major label, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like maybe you you'll deny it, but I'm sure those Capitol Records people and the one after that, uh, Warner Sire Brothers. or yeah, Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know they're always looking for a single. They're always looking for a hit. They're always looking for a radio song. And you know, you guys were lucky that you never had one because then what? You know, then you end up being that band that had that one hit song and like. Your actual real fans, like maybe they like you, but maybe they don't like you as much because everyone else knows about you guys. And that is a real thing, you know, that that it's the same with my band. We never had a hit. Thank God. I, I'm actually happy right. about it. Yeah, I hear you, man. But also, you know, in the late 90s when we were on Capitol and doing that, we also kind of urged the label to do things in an organic way and, yeah. and support sort of the street team kind of like thinking in the DIY way of running a band. And we kind of, you know, purposely kind of stayed sort of in the indie scene in a way. We didn't really choose to like blow things up and go like super mainstream, if that makes sense. Not just with the music, but like 
the imagery and the videos right. and the, the, you know, how the record is being serviced to certain publications and all that. Like we kind of just also helped keep things that way. And, um, except and, for and the Bon Jovi, except for the Bon Jovi tour. Oh dude, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> I had no idea. Like nobody Chris, thought, yeah, dude, Chris and I talked about so, it. It was so awesome. Like people were <laughs> like, no Bon Jovi, we're not going to go on tour with them. They're washed up. And, and all these bands turned it down and we were like, <laughs> fuck yeah, we'll go on tour with Bon Jovi. And then like, the record came out and they got all big again and everything. And then like, it was just us and Bon Jovi and like other it. bands, were, other bands are calling them back. Oh, we'll take the tour now. And, like, and their management <laughs> was like, no, you know what? We're taking this less than Jake band that said yes before we had radio songs. So fuck you guys. It was awesome. I love it. I know. I, I love great. it. I love that story. I wanted to get your take uh, on it. Um, it's great. So a couple more questions. I don't know if you got to go or anything, but um, I got a couple more questions here. The one thing you brought up earlier in the podcast is the song of uh the song the science of selling yourself short which i think even though i you know i remember losing streak this is my favorite record by you guys i think that that song is my probably my favorite less than jake song and when you guys play it live there's like this moment you know like everything kind of slows down and you get to the microphone and you kind of pour your heart out and it's always a really great moment of the show Talk to me a little bit about that song and kind of what it means to you and the band. Obviously, it's one of your biggest songs, if not your biggest. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I did a whole podcast with Chris on the song. There's some insight on there. Right. But I will say, I will say, um, yeah, I don't know what it is about that song. Um, the way that, that it came about, the, the, way that, the way that the vocals sit, it's, it's always like challenging to sing it. I, I can't half-ass sing that song, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. Like, you know what, you know, you, sometimes you can like get through something, but you're not really hitting it all the way. It's, oh man, like out of all of the Lesson Jake lyrics, a, a lot of them, you know, for me are, are no brainers to sing. Um, or I don't have like an emotional attachment to the lyrics. I just sing them. I, I sing, I, I love them. I, I like what they say, but they don't hit me personally as much as other songs maybe. But uh, yeah, science of, science of selling yourself short though, saying those words in that melody and then thinking about what they say and then looking at myself and realizing that that's how I feel a lot of times. Yeah. It's not. It gets me emo, man. That's a. Hard, it's. Yeah. E, it's a little bit emo yeah, every it, time. It is. Well, maybe that's why it's my favorite. But I, I totally notice that. Like I've, you know, I've seen you guys fucked so many times over the years, and I always notice there's a moment there, and that makes complete sense. Like there's a vibe shift, yeah. and it, you know, it comes from you, and that's that's yeah, why and I, gotta why say I wanted too, to ask there, you about the song. And there was, um, I do remember too, early on when we first started doing the song live because it was like written in this written you know i had the song idea the general song idea in a demo mode and then it was kind of finished in the studio and all that stuff but actually when we started actually doing the song live i think that's the only song that i ever said to Vinny. i said hey you know there's going to be some days where i'm not going to be able to sing these words wow because I, it just it like was it just hit me in a certain way like you're having an off day, sometimes some of those words are hard to say. After many years and years of playing it, I can kind of like find the light and see the joy in playing it and like and sing it with the fans. And I, I've kind of overcome that. But when it was first a song, it was kind of like, man, 
this is this is kind of hard to say <laughs> when yeah. you're not feel when you're not feeling that upon yourself, you know. Yeah, no, that's some real shit, and and it's it true. is, man. it's true. It's it's amazing how many songs can even be emotional or or can have words that for a lot of fans could could be really heavy or dark or whatever. But maybe to you that that one's like eh, it's fine, you know, I can get through that one. And then there's other ones that for some reason it's just this weight, and it doesn't matter how many times you sing it. You know, it's there, and I feel I feel the pain, your your pain in, yeah. that, in that song, man. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, man. I mean, it's dude, music is real. You go see a band play. There's a there's an energy exchange there. They're not they're not faking it. Even if they're not great musicians or you don't know the songs, they're pouring it out up there. And you know what I mean? If yeah. if you if you can find that, if you can like pick up on those vibes and and relate to them, then that that's what it's all about, man. That's like why music is a thing, man. We need it. You know, we need that. It's like another level of communication. It's fucked up. Yeah. So, so true. So I got a fan question here and I kind of of interested in this one too. Um, The fan question says you're from Brazil, kind of wild how I've never, I've never known that. And you never, I've never heard you talk about it. What was your early life like and how did you get into punk rock? That's the question. Well, I'm Brazilian. Uh, My, my parents are both from Brazil. I was born in the States. Okay. Um, I, I, I did go to Brazil, you know, when I was a kid, a bunch and stuff like that. And Portuguese is my first language. And oh, okay. I was definitely brought up like in a Brazilian sort of household, you know, kind of thing. But um, yeah, um, so let's see. Yeah, my, I was born in the States and it's, we moved around a bunch. Um, when I was living in New Jersey, my uncle was in a band in New Jersey in the late 70s. So I was exposed to, my mom was a huge music fan in general, but I was exposed yeah. to like band practice in the basement oh cool when i was eight years old yeah so it was like normal (laughs) completely normal thing you know like oh yeah there's a band practicing in the basement oh they're playing a show that's that's like not been weird ever for me wow um so i kind of grew up with that and uh i was into like you know like i don't know like acdc and deep purple and like van halen rest in peace eddie Uh, and like you know like all these kinds of like that late seventies, early eighties, like stuff. And that's, that's what I was like, started growing up on. I had my own copy of number of the beast when I was like 10, you know? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I just started with the the heavier stuff. And uh, it's really because, you know, my uncle and my mom, like listened to all that, con- all, a little bit of everything. And my uncle was definitely like a rocker, you know, drummer. So cool. I grew up playing drums. So yeah, I played drums when I was little. And then there you go. Just kept, yeah. That's music, typically- music, music. That's typically the questions we start with when we do the podcast, but maybe I like it at the end. That's this. Yeah, nice. it's nice at the it's, end. It's, it's nice at the end. Yeah, I guess so. When when fans comment on Instagram, come to Brazil, you're like, yes, I will. That's, that's oh yeah, that's fun, my man. motherland. Eu adoro brazuca, cara. É demais tocar no Brasil. Last time Jake vai voltar no Brasil. Ano que vem ou ano depois? Ah, there you go. Do you, do you guys play? We'll be there. Do you guys play down in Brazil often, though? Seriously. Uh, we've done a few a few tours down there, and it's uh, it's a fucking madhouse down there. It's yeah, awesome. Um, it's a uh, it's a good time. I love the eats. I love the hangs. I love the energy. It, it's crazy though. It, it's crazy. It's a little scary to be honest. Yeah. But, no. Uh, it, but, uh, it's it's like we've done it quite a few times, and it's the only place I've had my passport stolen. So oh, uh, shit. I'll, I'll give the honor of that one to Brazil. But no, it is it is like if you like I've been told like I remember I was meeting up with like some some Brazilian like friends I met in it was like i think it was sao paulo and and 
I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, where's the, like, where's the place? Can I, like, Uber there? Or, like, <laughs> walk, or walk? Like, what, you know, how do I, how do I get there? And they're like, oh, no, no, we're, like, gonna oh, come, no, like, no. get you. And I'm like, ah, oh, no, it's like, I looked it up on my phone. I'm like, that's, ah, like, three blocks. I'll be fine. They're like, You're okay. Like, no, 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 they're no, like, no. okay, okay, walk. But, like, don't take your phone out of your pocket. Like, leave your phone. And I'm like, what? Like, really? Yeah, it's fine, you know? And, and it was, and I, I did the walk. That's not when I got my passport stolen, by the way. This is a different, <laughs> oh, a different time. But even, even that, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should have taken that. So, yeah, it's, like, weird, you know? It's, it's like, uh, you don't think of Brazil necessarily as being um, that different. But then when you're there, you're like, okay, yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I'm maybe not a little, a, a little out of my element here. Yeah. yeah, I love the shows though. I love the insanity, oh, no. man. It's it's great. It's great going down there. And uh, to be honest with you, I'll play fucking anywhere right now. I'm just jonesing. <laughs> big time, dude. Big time. Well, well before I let you go, um, anything else yeah, to buddy. tell the people? Anything else? I mean, you got some new. Actually, you have some new rehasher songs out. People should check that out. What else? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of rehasher songs this year came out. Working on a rehasher cover record, but I think I'm gonna just like it's pretty much done. But I think I'm gonna hold off on it until like maybe January because like kind of just let, leave the air clean for this Lesson Jake stuff. Um, there's some Lesson Jake stuff coming up this year, man. We're gonna try to, to do a few things to promote the record, and you know, and uh, step into the live stream situation here. And uh, I think I think fans that tune into whatever we end up doing with that. I mean, it's already planned, but yep. <laughs> I just don't want to give it away. Yeah, I think nope. it's gonna be, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be like, like one of, our, one of our weird tours. Like we would do a weird tour, and it's like the Price Is Right tour, or we would do, you know what I mean, like a theme thing. All well, the live stream is gonna be no different. It's gonna yeah. be less than Jake's. Yeah. So, so I'm really looking forward to like just getting to play, and you know, even though it's gonna be like in a studio kind of setting, but uh, yeah, just looking out for that. Looking out for uh, some more videos uh, and some more fun stuff for the new songs and really, really excited for uh, people to hear the full record. I, I think that uh, the reaction to the single has been you know, better than I can imagine. And, and I know that there's so many little like gifts in this record of yeah. awesomeness that our fans are going to love. I just, I just, I just know it. I just know there's good stuff in there. Well, I think I'm super, super excited. I think lie to me is a great song. I don't think it's the best song of the record. I think there's a lot of, either, a man. lot That's... of better songs on there. And I hope people, you know, this isn't the kind of record where like, oh, this is like the only good song, so they're going to release it as the first single. No way. This is a deep record with a lot of really good songs. Silver Linings yeah. is out December 11th, and you can pre-order Man. that shit at Pure Noise Records. Go get the vinyl. Fuck yeah. Thanks for calling it a deep record. That's kind of like where my brain was at. And if you look at the cover art, too, it's kind of expressing that. Like, it's a, yep. it's got a general theme of like, you know, the yin and yang thing, but those themes have many, many details and shades and stuff. And that's kind of like what I feel like the record is kind of a little deeper than maybe someone would expect. Fuck yeah. Roger, you're awesome. Thanks for doing this, man. Shane, you're awesome. Thank you, brother. This is awesome. Okay. Let's Talk do, soon. I'll let's let you know when shows. it's up. I would fucking love to. 20, Absolutely. 2022. <laughs> 20, uh, maybe 2023. Who knows? Yeah, see you there, <laughs> man. man. Uh, All right, buddy. Thanks, Have a good man. one. Yeah, take care, man. You too. Bye, Bye now. So there it is with Roger of Less Than Jake. What a conversation. I love this guy, man. This was one of my favorite conversations I've had in five years, honestly. Thank you for listening. And make sure that you are subscribed. Hit the button, whatever you're listening to this on, because next week we're coming at you with lead singer of Less Than Jake, Chris DeMakes, and also very good podcaster as well. Maybe I'll be on his show. Maybe look out for that as well. But hit the button. Make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss that. 
and all the other great episodes that I have coming up. Check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club as well. If you have the means, I highly recommend it. So choice. And I'm going to play you a tune. This one means a lot to Roger. And it's probably my favorite Less Than Jake song. And I'm an old school fan, man. I, I go back to the, you know, as we talked about, you know, the losing streak days. And still, I think this is my favorite one. So here it is. The science of selling yourself short on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week with Krista Makes.